Hey, podcast listeners. Welcome again to the Small Groups in the Wesleyan Way podcast. This is your first time listening. This podcast strives to go beyond its best practices and beyond curriculum to recover and learn from our Wesleyan roots and explore the foundations for small groups that are organized to beat the devil and that produce disciples of Jesus Christ, who in turn disciple others. My name is Scott Hughes, and I'm the Director of Adult Discipleship here at Discipleship Ministries. I had a fun opportunity to connect with Reverend Thomas Cross, who is the pastor of discipleship at Broomfield United Methodist Church in Colorado, and he's been there uh, more than 10 years now. Um, and, and as you'll hear, I mean, I think you'll, you'll, this comes through in the interview, um, when, I, when I asked him how should I introduce him, he was quick to say he is a passionate advocate for small group ministry. That's what gets him out of bed every morning. So that, that's certainly very fitting for this podcast. He said uh, at one point, he said he has the best job in the world. I mean, uh, that's what we all hope for. Uh, Thomas is um, an ordained elder uh, and uh, uh, got his uh, Master's of Divinity degree at Princeton. And so some things to listen for as we, as we talk. Uh, you'll get to hear about how small groups are, are a vital part of the intentional discipleship system there at Broomfield United Methodist Church. And the thing that I really enjoy about how they've thought through small groups is that they strive to be a church not just with small groups, but a church of small groups. So be listening for that. And again, uh, once this is over, just keep listening and I'll have a few quick thoughts afterwards and we'll talk about our giveaway. Well, Thomas Cross, thank you so much for being willing to be a part of the podcast. I know listeners are going to enjoy what you have to say. Uh, let's just begin by, uh, I'm going to open it up to you to tell us about Broomfield United Methodist Church. And, and you got to start with how it's how it got its name so broomfield united methodist church is the original community church of this particular area okay. which is uh, it's a north northwest suburb of denver metro area gotcha and uh, the church got its name because uh, in the agricultural days they grew straw that is used for brooms oh That's there you go the Derivation of the name Broomfield. Okay. Well, no tell us longer, those... no longer an agricultural area, but that's our okay. area. Okay. Okay. Good to know. That's very interesting. Well, tell us a little more about the church. So, Broomfield is a church of about two thousand members. Okay. And uh, church is a very uh, long-standing church. The original church in the community, uh, going back more than a hundred years. Hmm. And uh, is kind of the result of a merger of a couple of different Wesleyan churches oh. that uh, joined together. And uh, in 1964, the church relocated to its current okay. location in what was then the, one of the original suburban developments in the area. And uh, the church has grown with community, grown to about uh, 2,000 members and uh, it's a very active church. I think it would be characterized by a very vital worship, both traditional and contemporary. Okay. Also by a missions outreach emphasis. Uh, church is very active in the community, as well as a global mission that uh, the church mm -hmm. started here. And uh, then small groups. That seems to be the other big feature. Of Which the is... Which is what you like, right? That, that's that's uh, what I like. And so it's a joy to serve here 
in this wonderful community of faith. Awesome. Well, one of the ways that I connected with you is an article you wrote about small groups and intentional discipleship systems. So t- tell me, how did Broomfield, uh, how did Broomfield discern the importance of small groups as a crucial part of an intentional discipleship system? In the early 2000s, after uh, Randy Jessen left uh, to take another appointment, uh, the church had a uh, interim period with uh, Harry Wood serving as pastor. And during that time, the church discerned uh, that there is in our DNA as a church a real uh, desire for fellowship and a real desire for lifelong learning. Mm, okay, in Christ. And uh, the leaders of the church at that time believed that God was uh, calling the church to pursue small group ministry in a very intentional way. Okay. And as a result of that, uh, uh, interestingly enough, uh, Ken Brown, uh, who was then a member of the uh, Florida Annual Conference, uh, had done some small group workshops mm-hmm. in uh, our area, our conference area. And I actually remember attending one of those workshops okay. and was intrigued at the time uh, But they uh, saw Kim Brown, uh, who was then serving as an associate pastor for small groups in a church in Florida. Mm. And uh, they thought this would be the man to uh, Mm -hmm. tap as a senior pastor. And uh, so the leaders of the church talked to our bishop. And uh, our bishop contacted uh, Kim through the Florida leadership and uh twice ken said no oh wow uh, he was not interested in moving to colorado he had a swing sunshine state was and yeah finally he consented to come out and okay. meet with the church and uh third time was the charm and uh he told his wife back in florida about it and she said okay just buy a house nearby <laughs> and, uh, so that was uh, so Ken came aboard in 2003 and got the small groups ministry rolling. Mm. There were already, of course, some United Methodist women's circles, mm-hmm. men's groups, you know, those type of things. But uh, he got the ball rolling in terms of an intentional approach to small groups. And uh, then I came aboard in 2007 because it was clear that more staff time Mm. needed to be addressed uh, towards small group development. And uh, this is a passion of mine, Mm. has been for a long time. So when this opportunity presented itself to me, I was delighted to Mm. be able to come to Broomfield and focus on small groups. Yeah, that's great. They put staff allocation into that right that it wasn't just a name only hey small groups is important but they've um put some real backing to that Uh, that's That's about that's about half of my staff time okay that is devoted to small group ministry and i think that's something for a church to be aware of that if you really want to develop small groups as a discipleship system it will take a serious investment true of staff time. I don't think you can do it for less than about 20 hours a week. 
mm-hmm. in a long-term fashion. Yeah, very true. Very true. So tell me now, so today, how do small groups fit into the discipleship plan at Broomfield UMC? So we see small groups as the primary way to develop disciples of Jesus Christ. And uh, it is one of the first things that we want people to experience when they affiliate with the church when they become partners uh, in the ministry, that they can experience uh, what it is to be part of a small group. And it is our hope that over a period of years that people will experience a variety of different types of small groups Hmm. and uh, kind of go towards a deeper faith, that they'll grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ and uh, that they will uh, be able to uh, become fully devoted disciples of Christ who are putting the kingdom of God first. Amen. So for us, small groups is that way of helping people to do that, uh, particularly as they develop relationships Hmm. in those uh, those small groups and uh, study the scriptures and and have those people in their lives that are uh, encouraging them along the way in their faith. Mm-hmm. Good. And as I was exploring your website, one of the things I noticed, and you mentioned this, is um, y'all don't have a one way of doing small groups. Y'all have got levels of differing small groups. So speak to that. Speak to the, the, the need to have levels of small groups and how y'all, how y'all go about accomplishing that and, and, and managing that. So, yes, uh, in our discipleship process, you know, the first thing we have is what we call starting point, okay. which is a place where people can connect initially, get to know the staff, and learn about the opportunities that they have for involvement. And so we do starting point every couple of months, and uh, we've kind of settled in now on a Sunday afternoon time after have a lunch together and allow people to introduce themselves and get acquainted. So that's our initial connecting point that we encourage people to be involved in. And from that, we can kind of discern people's interests, Hmm. discern their background. And of course, all of us on staff share about, you know, our areas of ministry and how people can get connected for small groups, of course. I've always got a brochure handy (laughs) so they can uh, see some of the different opportunities. And we give people a chance to talk about their backgrounds. And so I can hear what they're doing and, uh, you know, what their experience is. Are they uh, new Christians? Are they uh, longtime uh, church members, you know, moved from somewhere else? Uh, Kind of what their background is. And then I kind of work with folks to help them find a group that's appropriate to their needs. And we have some groups that are simply uh, affiliation-based. Okay. Help people make friends. Uh, For example, we periodically do dinner for eight groups Hmm. where uh, we'll get several uh, individuals and couples together so that they can uh, share a few dinners together. 
Hmm. Uh, very simple. Focused on relationship. Focused on relationship. Hmm. And, uh, you know, that would be an example of maybe sort of the easiest sort of group mm-hmm. to get involved with. Uh, we also have uh, several Sunday morning groups where uh, anybody can drop, drop in. And, and uh, So open classes. And, uh, you know, those Sunday morning groups are designed to be open groups where homework is not required. Gotcha. So anybody can come in and... Uh, you know, jump right in and not to feel like there's a big uh, hurdle to, to getting involved. Yeah. Uh, then we have some groups that are uh, a little more uh, deeper discipleship focused. And uh, these include uh, several women's groups and several men's groups that are designed uh, to go deeper, as well as a group for couples and uh, uh, anyone who wants to join men or women uh, uh, that I lead, that group's called the Misunderstood God Group. <laughs> and, uh, Misunderstood God Group. I like it. And it, that group drew its name from, from the first book we read. Okay. Uh, the Misunderstood God. And uh, that group's designed to be a group where anybody can bring their questions. Mm. There can, you know, there's a, you know, it's designed for wide open conversation. And, uh, you know, no judgment, kind of a judgment-free zone. I like it. I, I, that's my kind of class. I always say, if you can handle my weird opinions, then this is a class <laughs> for you. So, yeah, good. All right, good. Keep going. Well, in that group, we just finished Creed by Adam Hamilton mm-hmm. and had a wonderful discussion. And we're going to start The Case for Miracles by Lee Strobel. Okay. And uh, so we do a wide range of books. That's a book discussion group. Gotcha. And I also lead a men's group that is also a book discussion group called the Monday Night Men. Hmm. And uh, both of those groups meet twice a month. Uh, we have a men's Bible study that meets on Wednesday mornings, and another one on Saturday mornings. And uh, those meet weekly. And then several women's groups that meet uh, pretty much any day of the week in the morning. We've got a women's group meeting here at church, uh, and those groups uh, tend to be uh, uh, Bible study focused. Uh, the morning groups, all of them really, are Bible study focused groups. And uh, we also have a circle that meets on Saturday mornings that's a Bible study focused. And uh, so, you know, those, all of those groups give a little more in-depth type of opportunity. Hmm. We, uh, we also have a couple of pub groups, okay. uh, Theology on Tap groups, mm-hmm. and uh, that was suggested to me, goodness, it's probably been almost 10 years ago now, Okay. Uh, somebody said, you know, my husband went to a group that another church did, and he really enjoyed it, and so I uh, thought, well, that'd be a nice idea. We started with a men's Theology on Tap, Okay. and that's a small group, that one you know, generally just three or four or five or six. And uh, we, uh, what I do for those groups is uh, they're wide open. If somebody has a topic they want to discuss, that's wonderful. Just ask away. Okay. And I enjoy the freeform nature of that. Mm-hmm, sure. But I also bring some blogs and outlines so okay. that if nobody has a topic, 
that they particularly want to address. I'll uh, get, hand out a blog and uh, they can read it and kind of get use that as a discussion starter, a seed gotcha. for discussion. And uh, so we have a men's group. We also have, a, those are monthly groups. And we also have a group that's open to all adults. And uh, that one has grown to be quite a large group. And so finding a place that's quiet enough where we can hear each other is uh, something of a, of a challenge. Yeah. But it's, those groups are fun because uh, they're informal. People can get acquainted, but they can also tackle a subject of interest. And, uh, you know, they uh, don't have to commit long term, but many of the folks uh, end up, you know, trying it and liking it. Okay. Participating long term. And we also have a few neighborhood groups. Hmm. Uh, that's something that uh, has ebbed and flowed over the years. Okay. On uh, kind of the cl- where people cluster neighborhood wise. Uh, but uh, we have a couple of groups in one of our uh, 55 plus neighborhoods, Anthem Ranch. And uh, those people have become really dear friends and support hmm. each other. Uh, which is a lot of fun. Uh, we also have a group out in Erie, which is to the to the north of us, hmm. and uh, some of the outlying uh, communities uh, to the north of Broomfield that meet together. And those are both all home-based groups. Okay. And that's a wonderful thing because people develop such deep friendships in yeah. those home-based groups. Now, I don't want to cut you off here, but just a quick question. I mean, one of the things I've, I've experienced with those has been they tend to do a really good job of pastoral care among themselves. Yes. Has that been true for, for you? Have you found that? Yes, it really is true among our neighborhood groups. And in all honesty, uh, most of our small groups really do a good job mm, okay. caring for one another uh, pastorally. And uh, so... The truth is, with only two pastors in a church of this size, yeah, there's no way that we can attend to everybody's needs. And so small groups are a part of our pastoral care network. Gotcha. Significant part. Our small group leaders really are pastors. They are shepherds for the people in their groups. And, you know, folks bring meals for each other. They celebrate milestones together. They grieve together. And uh, they have a wonderful aspect. We have a couple of other aspects to our pastoral care. Okay. Uh, One is a group called Heart to Heart, which is a friendly visitation team of uh, mostly women who go out and visit uh, people who are shut-ins, you know, who are homebound or in assisted living that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And then we have a large Stephen ministry. Okay. So we have about 25 Stephen ministers. Mm-hmm. And uh, so for those that need long-term pastoral care, Stephen ministry plays a very important role in our church. So that is a way of helping a wider circle of people share in that pastoral care work. Yeah. So those two groups, does that sort of become their small group? Is is the 
Steve's minister and, and the other one you mentioned, does that sort of become, uh, you know, yeah. sometimes we think of small groups as simply study-based. Um, but what I like about what you just named is some, sometimes groups can be service-based or compassion-based. Yeah. And so those groups really are what you would call service-based okay. uh, groups. And uh, so the Stephen ministry has classes that they offer every year. Mm-hmm. And the members who go through those classes together become very close. And then we also have several supervision groups within Stephen ministry and those supervision groups uh, uh, become very close as uh, you know they kind of talk about uh, what's going on with their care receivers and sure. what's going on in their own lives and of course they're it's confidential they don't name their care receivers by name but they, uh, right. they share you know how it's going in those relationships and uh, they've become very close and uh, so it's very interesting. You're right. We do have several service-based groups like that uh, where the, the people, you know, their primary mission is to serve. Uh, mm-hmm. And I would count most of our United Methodist women's circles in that. Uh, okay. That's kind of how they function. As well. Yeah. Each of our circles has a mission that they support, a mm. uh, particular ministry or mission that's sort of their reason for being. And uh, so for some, it's making Linus blankets for mm. children uh, with medical issues. For others, it's bringing baskets to uh, people with cancer. Mm. Uh, for other groups, it's a mission, mission partner that they support. Gotcha. Such as Hope House, uh, which is a ministry to uh, teenage mothers. So there are a lot of different types of ministries like that, uh, that have a, a service group behind them. Great. So you, you've named lots of different groups, and I, I can imagine somebody that a smaller church is just probably over weather head spinning to think about all those groups. Talk, talk about how you develop leaders, how you train leaders, and, and support them. So we have a, a training process that we developed uh, five or six years ago, and uh, it involves a, a training seminar for prospective small group leaders. Mm. And so when I, uh, uh, you know, when I identify somebody that I think would be a good small group leader, and I'll tell you what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people okay. skills, love for people, an mm. encouraging attitude, somebody that uh, enjoys conversation, somebody that has a smile on their face, somebody who's deeply devoted to Jesus, you know, loves the Lord. And if I see folks like that, I will uh, kind of broach the subject with them and ask them, hey, have you considered leading a small group? And then I invite them uh, to training seminar. Uh, we always have, have those in the summertime. And then throughout the year, if we kind of get a group of people that are interested in small group leadership, then we can offer it uh, during any time during the year where we have a, a cohort of people gotcha. that are interested. And so, you know, basically what our uh, training seminar covers is uh, facilitation 101. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, how to facilitate a group, 
and uh, kind of talking about different facilitation styles. You know, some are more reserved, some are more what I call roller coaster leaders that uh, are very uh, open in sharing their personal lives. Uh, you can have those different styles, uh, but the important sure. thing is to help everybody in the group get involved, to help everybody in the group open up and uh, share their experiences as well as talk about whatever subject they may be uh, addressing in their study. And so, uh, you know, we emphasize that the important thing is facilitation. So you, you don't have to be a teacher who knows something. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to know a subject by heart in order yeah. to facilitate a study about it. And so we take the, uh, the worry out of it. Mm-hmm. In terms of, uh, you know, feeling like you have to know it all. Uh, but if I can interrupt for just for a second, because I, yeah. I found it really interesting when you talk about how you identified future leaders. You didn't say somebody who knows it all, somebody who you identified had lots of knowledge. I mean, you, what you identified were, um, you know, some people might call them as softer skills. I'm not sure that's the yeah. best way to put it. Yeah. But I think you're absolutely right in how you do that. The love for people, the encourager, deeply devoted. And that's someone you feel like you can then mold, right? Yeah. And that's, yeah, okay, it's good. So keep, keep talking about uh, yeah. what, what you, how you train. So, yeah, go ahead. So, yeah, if you, if you love people and you have the gift of encouragement, uh, you can facilitate a group. Hmm. Uh, if you have teaching skills, that's a bonus. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we've over the years had a number of people that have good teaching skills and they sort of become what I call brand name leaders. You know, mm-hmm. there are some people who really enjoy taking their, their classes mm-hmm. and that's fine, but, sure. but facilitation is the main thing. And so we uh, kind of do our facilitation one-on-one seminar and then I follow up with them individually as they're beginning to think about uh, what sort of groups they might want to lead. Uh, you know, because some people uh, would like to just lead a Bible study or a book discussion group, you know, which are sort of our most common groups. But there are other people that may want to do a group on arts focus, hmm. uh, for example. We've had some people uh, lead groups, for example, uh, on uh, – you know, developing their artistic skills. And uh, those groups uh, are uh, very neat uh, kinds of groups. So it's not like you sort of match them up with their passion, too. Yes, that's exactly what we try to do, is Mm. match people up with their passion. So if you have a passion for a particular kind of group, uh, then I encourage you to go for it. And, uh, and so as I follow up with folks, it's then a matter of helping them find a curriculum or a style of group that will fit their needs and then uh, kind of helping them through the practical okay. issues of do they want to meet at church, do they want to meet at homes, at the workplace, you know, those kinds of things. And uh, then going through the uh, work of promotion as well. And I always try to help people in that process sort of describe the group, what it is they're wanting to do, what will the group offer to the people who participate, is there a specific curriculum they're going to use. Hmm. Uh, for example, for the group for artists, we, uh, 
they did a group on the artist's way okay which is sort of a 12-step curriculum for people mm. in the arts uh but you know help them pick something that will work for them and then uh, then we start promoting the group mm. now we have a couple of we have several seasons where we heavily promote okay our small groups uh one is the fall and okay. so in uh, late august through early september that's one time period where we uh, promote our small groups and we put out a brochure that goes into all of the bulletins uh, gotcha. on a particular sunday and then we actually have registration tables for several weeks mm. where people can register for a group and i know that sounds very old school but there's something about when people sign their name mm, that is true. really special. Yeah, uh, They tend to be quite serious when they sign their name yeah. on that regis registration sheet. And of course, we also have all our groups online mm. so they can register okay. that way yeah. at any time. But, uh, you know, in the fall, we have a big push for small groups. We have another push uh, right before Advent that's okay. a little smaller scale. And uh, then another big push in uh, late December, early January, hmm. groups that start in January and February. Mm -hmm. You know, what I've discovered over the years is that a lot of people make New Year's resolutions. Mm -hmm. And so there are ways we can tap into that with small groups. Yeah. Uh, a year ago, we had a real emphasis on health-related groups because that seemed to be a real mm. interest among our people. Uh, this year, our emphasis for uh, starting off the year was much more spiritually focused. Mm. And uh, we rolled out a group on exploring the work of the Holy Spirit, for example, okay. and uh, had uh, almost 20 people sign up for, for that group uh, that's meeting two different sessions, an evening and an afternoon session. Mm. Uh, and that's just something over the years we've kind of helped. We've had some short seminars on the Holy Spirit. Okay. But there were enough people that have gone through those and enough interest that we decided to, a, you know, a longer-term group would uh, meet people's interests and needs. Uh, so, you know, we kind of look for where, where are people itching? You know, where, where is uh, the interest? Gotcha. And uh, try to build some groups around those interests to, to roll out in January and February. Okay. And then uh, obviously one more season that uh, is very fruitful is the season of Lent. Sure. And so we uh, promote groups during Lent. Uh, and we always, uh, one of the traditions we've developed here at Broomfield is to have a Lent study hmm. uh, where we uh, sync up our small groups with a preaching series. Oh, great. And we've done a lot of different things over the years. Uh, for example, 24 hours with Adam Hamilton. Mm -hmm. uh, we've done some Ortberg mm -hmm. uh, books. John Ortberg uh, had some rich studies uh, with him. This year, we're going to be preaching about the last week mm. of the life of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And uh, so... We're going to start Lent by celebrating Palm Sunday. Oh, that's interesting. And then each Sunday is going to be, you know, a different week 
different day of the of the last week of Christ's life. You know what happened on those days. So mm-hmm. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Mm-hmm. So that uh, Palm Sunday will actually be Passion Sunday mm-hmm. for us. Okay. And uh, so I looked, did a lot of research to find a curriculum that explored the last days of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Let me say there are not many. Okay. That's a relatively uh, uh, untapped resource, although there is a brand new curriculum that Cokesbury rolled out Yep. Uh, on that subject, uh, yep. uh, written by a, a Jewish teacher Okay. Uh, at one of our Methodist seminaries. But uh, the one I ended up picking for this year was uh, The Last Days of Jesus from the Deeper Connections oh. uh, Bible series. And it doesn't adhere exactly to what we're going to be preaching. It uh, starts a little earlier, and and it goes through the resurrection. Okay. So slightly different than what we're going to be doing, you know. And sometimes we sync those up very, uh, you know, very exactly. uh, You know, sermons and the study. Other times, we do something that's close on the same topic, but not you know, directly matched up to each sermon. Yeah. And and that latter case is this year, what we're going to do. This is a DVD-based series, the Deeper Connection series on the last days of Jesus. And it has six sessions, which is perfect for Lent. And, you know, sessions that are filmed by various scholars in the Holy Land, where uh, people can see some of the places where these events took place. So, you know, I think... It's always fruitful to have a, a Lent study like that. Uh, oh, yeah. Where uh, what I found is that there, there will be people who will try a small group in that season hmm. because we're doing a preaching series. Mm-hmm. They might not otherwise try that's a group. True. But yeah, they'll yeah. do it uh, simply because they know that's going to be a church-wide focus. Yep. And so it draws new people into small groups. And, you know, some of those people end up sticking because that's right. some of our ongoing, ongoing groups do those studies, as well as some new groups, you know, that are formed just for the Lent season. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, one last question for you. We've got, we got about a minute left here. T- tell me the difference between being a church with small groups and a church of small groups. You know, there are many churches that have small groups, but as a church of small groups, it is our desire for everyone to get involved in a small group at some point in their discipleship journey. Now, right now, we only have about half of our people involved. Okay. But in our starting point, when we speak with people who are considering becoming members or partners, as we call them, we, uh, we tell them up front that it is our expectation for you to be involved in a small group. And uh, as a church of small groups, what that means on a practical level is that uh, much of their experience is going to be uh, with their brothers and sisters in a uh, small group setting that uh, will go beyond what they experience on Sunday morning. Great. So in describing our discipleship, we have a very short phrase that describes Hmm. what we desire people to experience, worship God grow with God, share God with others. Hmm. That's what we desire people to experience. 
And you give oh, them ways to live into that. And to live into that. Yeah. Worship, you celebrate and give thanks to God and praise. But you grow with God as well. And that happens. Worship and growth happen both on Sunday mornings and in small groups. Right. And uh, then uh, ultimately share God with others. Because as we grow, we have more and more to share. There you go. And so we encourage people not to simply grow for the sake of growing, but to grow for the sake of uh, sharing their lives and blessing other people. Yep. Loving God, loving others. Well, Thomas, this has been great. I know this is going to help a lot of our listeners. So thank you so much for your time. Well, you're very welcome. And if anybody ever wants to call me up and visit about small groups, uh, I'm happy to share my phone number, 720-880-5221. And I'm always happy to share about small groups with people. And uh, I've even been known to come out and visit and uh, do training. Wonderful. Folks, if they really, uh, you know, if you decide that's what you want to do, I'm happy to, to come and pay a visit and uh, offer uh, some training to your church. Experience leader, that's great. Thanks, Thomas. You're very welcome. Thanks so much, Scott, and God bless all of you. So some of the takeaways from me from the interview with Thomas Thomas Cross was that I really appreciated that they were very clear about how to move people into small groups, that they had a starting point. I I like that name, right? It It helps you to know where you begin, and that they're very clear from the beginning that being part of a small group is, is part of the expectations of, of being a member. I thought that was that was great. And they they have a they have a many different kind of groups. I mean, you heard groups that meet monthly, that meet twice a month, that meet weekly. Some are open door, some are a little deeper, some are more formal, some are informal. And, and and I know not every church can have all those different types of groups, but I really appreciated how he identified leaders, that it wasn't just about those who know certain things, but it was those who have a love of people and our encourager and, and those who are deeply devoted to Jesus Christ. I thought that was a great way to identify leaders and then to have a process for, for helping them to f- uh, become good facilitators and then to have a coach. That's certainly the way Thomas sort of approaches what he does is being a, a coach for those who are doing the work of small group ministry. Um, so if you'd like to reach out to Thomas to, to get uh, more information from him or to perhaps get him to come lead a training if you're, you're in his area, he is uh, thomas.cross at broomfieldumc.org and he gave his phone number away which I thought that was really cool 720-880-5221 so we appreciate Thomas Uh, again send me a suggestion for a future small uh, an episode for the small group in the Wesley podcast and uh, I'll send you a book I've got several to choose from Um, and so give me an email you can find my email I'm shughes at umcdiscipleship.org you can find more of our information on our website umcdiscipleship.org Dot org. You can find me on Twitter at Rev Scott's Tweets, also at UMC Adult Form for adult formation. And once again, we always want to give credit to those who help make this podcast possible. Uh, so I want to give a big shout out to Blake, our technical director, Matt Carlisle, our web producer, and Steve Horswell Johnson, our executive producer. So I hope you'll continue to engage with us. Find us on, uh, on um, uh, iTunes and rate us as you have. We appreciate that. And until next time, peace. Small Groups in the Wesleyan Way podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.